is the WTF Bach Podcast. The podcast about Johann Sebastian Bach, brought to you by his prodigal son, WTF Bach. Join WTF Bach as he guides your mind through a contrapuntal journey. Why don't you let WTF Bach guide you? And now, here's WTF Bach. WTF Bach, Evan Schinner is here. I am going to read you a story. Here we go. I am a woodcutter, my name doesn't matter. The hut I was born in, and where I'm soon to die, sits at the edge of the woods. They say these woods go on and on, right to the ocean that surrounds the entire world. They say that wooden houses like mine travel on that ocean. I wouldn't know. I've never seen it. I've not seen the other side of the woods, either. My older brother, when we were boys, he made me swear that between the two of us, We'd hack away at these woods till there wasn't a tree left standing. My brother is dead now, and now it's something else I'm after, and always will be. Over in the direction where the sun goes down, there's a creek I fish in with my hands. There are wolves in the woods, but the wolves don't scare me, and my axe has never failed me. I've not kept track of how old I am, but I know I'm old. My eyes don't see anymore. Down in the village, which I don't venture into anymore because I'd lose my way, Everyone says I'm a miser, but how much could a woodcutter have saved up? I keep the door of my house shut with a rock so the snow won't get in. One evening I heard heavy, dragging footsteps and then a knock. I opened the door and a stranger came in. He was a tall, elderly man, all wrapped in a worn-out old blanket. A scar sliced across his face. The years looked to have given him more authority than frailty, but even so, I saw it was hard for him to walk without leaning on his stick. We exchanged a few words, I don't recall now. Then finally the man said, I am without a home, and I sleep wherever I can. I have wandered all across Saxony. His words befitted his age. My father always talked about Saxony. Now people call it England. There was bread and some fish in the house. While we ate, we didn't talk. It started raining. I took some skins and made him a pallet on the dirt floor where my brother had died. When the night came, we slept. It was toward dawn when we left the house. The rain had stopped and the ground was covered with new snow. The man dropped his stick and he ordered me to pick it up. Why should I do what you tell me to do? I said to him. Because I am a king, he answered. I thought he was mad. I picked up the stick and gave it to him. With his next words, his voice was changed. I am the king of seconds. Many times did I lead them to victory in hard combat, but at the hour that fate decreed, I lost my kingdom. My name is Isern, and I am of the line of Odin. I do not worship Odin, I answered. I worship Christ. He went on as though he had not heard me. I wander the paths of exile, but I am still a king, for I have the disc. Do you want to see it? He opened his hand and showed me his bony palm. There was nothing in it, his hand was empty, and it was only then that I realized he'd always kept it shut tight. He looked me in the eye. You may touch it. I had my doubts, but I reached out, and with my fingertips I touched his palm. I felt something cold, and I saw a quick gleam. His hand snapped shut. I said nothing. It is the disc of Odin, the old man said in a patient voice, as though he were speaking to a child. It has but one side. There is not another thing on earth that has but one side. So long as I hold it in my hand, I shall be king. Is it gold? I said. I know not. 
It is the disc of Odin and it has but one side. It was then I felt a gnawing to own the disc myself. If it were mine, I could sell it for a bar of gold and then I would be a king. In my hut I've got a chest full of money hidden away, gold coins, and they shine like my axe, I told the wanderer, whom I hate to this day. If you give the disc of Odin to me, I will give you the chest. I will not, he said gruffly. Then you can continue on your way, I said. He turned away. One axe blow to the back of his head was all it took. He wavered and fell, but as he fell he opened his hand, and I saw the gleam of the disc in the air. I marked the place with my axe, and I dragged the body down to the creek bed where I knew the creek was swollen. There I dumped his body. When I got back to my house, I looked for the disc, but I couldn't find it. I have been looking for it for years. Mind, mind blow. blow. Oh my god. Hello, and welcome to the WTF Bach Podcast. That's a story by Jorge Luis Borges. Borges, uh, B-O-R-G-E-S, one of my absolute favorite writers, authors, sort of artists of any category, really. He's an extreme virtuoso, as capable as any virtuoso in any field. Please read him. Um, he's got a lot of these short stories that you can sit down and read in a few minutes, and they're often magical, thought-provoking, and, and deeply profound. And he loves books. He loves books, and he loves libraries. And to get into his world is to sort of feel as if you want to get further into the world of reading books and being around libraries and librarians. I don't know if that sounds exciting to you, but in any case, you will see why I've read that story at the beginning of this episode, because this episode is about a musical shape that has but one side. This episode is sort of the meeting point between a mathematical concept called a Mobius strip and a piece of music by Bach, or for that matter, by any composer, placed upon the Mobius strip. Now, why am I doing that all of a sudden on the podcast? Because if you remember from the first season, I like taking down bad and false information about Bach. The first season, we had an episode called How to Detect BS, Bad Scholarship. And we do that because to get to the truth of such a person like Bach is a complicated task, and it requires more care than, than the way that people usually go into it. And we find through that greater care a truth that is often much more beautiful than what people have told us, or especially information that's readily floating around on the internet. So the false piece of Bach information that I am taking down in this episode comes from a viral YouTube video that you perhaps have seen, especially if your interests are Bach, this podcast, maybe mathematics, maybe those deep thinking YouTube channels or something like that. It's a video called J.S. Bach's Crab Cannon on a Mobius Strip. Now, what is a Crab Cannon? What is a Mobius Strip? Let's get right into it. I am now playing Bach's Crab Cannon from left to right on the page. You'll forgive me for sort of playing this metronomically and not beautifully because I need to line this up with the same recording going from right to left. Once I finish this here, I'm going to reverse it. Okay, now I'm going to hit stop on the recorder, and I'm simply going to reverse that recording and put it with itself, and you will see that it's almost like me speaking and then reversing what I just spoke and playing it at the same time, which I could try right now. I'll, I'll try the sentence. I think I've done this before. I'll try the sentence, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. 
Okay, that contains all the letters of the English alphabet. Here it is, two at one. The quick dog, brown the fox jumps off the lazy dog. Right, so that sounds like complete nonsense, complete dissonance, because it is indeed me speaking backward and forward. But when you do that with music, so if I do that with the same big long line that I played just now, obviously forward into the recorder, and we reverse it at the same time, then we get a crab cannon. Crab, because it's walking from left to right and right to left. Here is the crab cannon solved, as we say. fascinated by that piece just stunned every time i hear it it's got to be one of the finest examples of music that you could read in two directions at the same time ever written just to show you that it is in fact just one strip of audio put in two different directions i will start with the strip reversed and then do exactly what i did last time just so you can hear it Now, what is a Mobius strip? Why this piece of music on a Mobius strip? I was always annoyed with this video, frankly, because I just didn't get it. You know, I understand Bach, but I don't understand this video. So what was going on? Finally, I was glad for one listener who pointed out that, in fact, this video is not actually a Mobius strip. So why? What is a Mobius strip? Well, a Mobius strip, it's actually spelled with an umlaut, M-O with the umlaut, B-I-U-S, I'm going to say Mobius for the rest of this episode, but uh, let's let's make one. You take a strip of paper or your belt or whatnot, a strip of something, and instead of just connecting it into a loop, you put one half twist in it, not a full twist, a half twist, and you connect it. There, you've made a Mobius strip. Why is that interesting? Well, let's let's try and run our finger around it. If you run your finger around a ring, for example, around your belt or around just a piece of paper without a twist in it, you're touching one side of the ring. And your strip, as you know, has two sides. You've got the outside of the ring and the inside. Think about your bike chain. The the teeth are just touching one side of the chain. But when you put a half twist in it, why? Now try running your finger around that. Your finger goes around both sides of the belt, both sides of the strip. You hit every inch of the strip. And in fact, since I mentioned a chain, humans have been using this idea for mechanical things since the 13th century, apparently. A good machinist knows that a belt with a half twist lasts twice as long as a belt without one. Why? Because you're only using one side of the belt 
without the half twist. And when you put the half twist, all of a sudden, every inch of the belt is used. So now let's put a piece of writing on this half twisted belt, which we're calling a Mobius strip. I want, you to I want you to do this. I want you to take a strip of paper with a half twist in it, tape it, and then start writing somewhere on the piece of paper. And you'll find that after a while, you've written on the entire strip of paper. You can just write whatever sentence, whatever comes to mind. And you'll find that you eventually, without turning the strip, have written on every side of the strip. Okay, so we come to the question, does the Mobius strip have one side or two? You only wrote on one side. Your mind begins to object, but the paper has two sides but I've only written on one side. How did, how did that happen? You're in Euclidean space. You're in the headspace of a, you know, this Greek intellectual who lived 2,300 years ago, who spent a lot of time thinking about shapes. And you, in fact, conclude that the Mobius strip has but one side in abstract space. So in abstract Euclidean space, the Mobius strip only has one side. Was the disc of Odin a Mobius strip, I ask Mr. Borges, or was the disc of Odin, in fact, outside of Euclidean space? These are questions we only ask on this podcast. So why then is our crab cannon, we're back to the crab cannon, why is the crab cannon not a true Mobius strip? Well, let's go back to the piece of paper we wrote on and untape it. If we untape it, we see that the writing on one side of the strip is upside down. But you didn't write it upside down. You remember that? You just wrote in one direction and found that you had covered all the strip. It's that that is the special property of the Mobius strip. Something traveling along a Mobius strip returns to its starting position inverted. So if you leave your house on a Mobius strip and you walk around the world on a Mobius strip, you come back home upside down. Going back to the idea of a belt without the twist in it, in other words, a loop, well, that's what it's called. It's called the loop machine. If we send our musical idea in a loop machine, we get the same thing every time. That's why it's a loop machine. But if we feed our idea into a Mobius strip machine, we feed it the scale, we get inverted scale. And then we refeed it inverted scale, and we get a scale. So A goes to negative A, and then negative A goes to A, and on and on and on. So what happens is when we feed our Mobius strip machine our crab cannon, well, we get the inverted crab cannon. And this is why it doesn't work with the crab cannon, because there's no inversion in the crab cannon. The crab cannon is just something that can be read backward and forward. It has actually nothing to do with inversion. If you put the crab cannon into the Mobius strip, the Mobius strip would give you the crab cannon upside down. This is what the crab cannon would sound like on a Mobius strip. sounds like what I've already played. This is the correct way to solve the crab cannon. But then as we get to the halfway point here, you're going to hear what it sounds like inverted. Ready, and it's here. Clearly, that's not what's going on in the video. That's the crab cannon on a Mobius strip. That's actually what it would sound like if this crab cannon were on a Mobius strip. What's the big deal? So someone put up a video incorrectly claiming that this cannon works on a Mobius strip. Bach actually did write music that is a Mobius strip. And now, my dear patient listeners, now that you've heard all of that, that is the introduction that is bringing us back 
to those Goldberg canons, which I've already done two episodes discussing. And this is the idea that I believe I've uniquely hit upon, that despite what videos and blogs are saying out there claiming that Canon 5 and other canons in the 14 canons are Mobius strips, they are not. The only true Mobius strips of Bach, and this is just so I get this idea out there first, the only true Mobius strips in BWV 1087 are canons 6, 8, and 11. It's a very niche thing, obviously, as it's sort of bound to be if I'm claiming that no one has yet reported on this in Bach, this world of Bach, which is huge and vast. For me to claim that no one has done this, it's got to be something very, very small and uh, a real detail. But there have been those who have debunked this Mobius crab cannon video, as I just did, and then there are those who as well point to BWV 1087. I will put all the relevant links into the episode description, but everyone fails to dig into the details, and I'll show you why. It has to do with a chromatic inversion. If I invert a shape, but properly invert a piece of music, what goes down the Mobius strip sounding major comes back sounding minor, right? We've, we've demonstrated that if you send something down the Mobius strip, it will come back upside down. I discussed this before in the Art of Fugue, the Mirror Fugues in season one, but just to recap, let's see, I have a shape here. It's a major shape, let's call it major shape. This is a simple triad actually. If I were to invert this, it will come back minor. And that's because if I go up this interval, I have to go down the same interval. So going up a major third, then going down a major third, then up a minor third, and then down a minor third. So this inverts onto this. Major becomes minor. If I were to send this down the Mobius strip, it would come back sounding like this. That's because this is an asymmetrical shape. This here is asymmetrical, so when I put it into the Mobius strip, it's going to come back not as it went in. But what about a shape that is symmetrical? Well, then it will invert directly onto itself. For example, if I put this shape in, this is the interval of a tritone, it would come back the same interval going down. So let's play around with these 14 canons here in BWV 1087 and see which ones will actually properly invert onto their own shape. We start with Canon 1. If you're curious to know what these canons are, where they were found, the history of them, there are two episodes discussing these 14 canons, BWV 1087, but we'll blow through them all the same right now. This, if I play it from left to right, becomes... So, in other words, it's just like our crab cannon. In fact, this is another crab cannon that's not as interesting as the crab cannon from the musical offering. It's a very short one, but indeed it's a crab cannon, hence not a Mobius strip. The same is true for number two. If I play that from right to left, it becomes... Which is the solution. Cannons three and four are different in that they're not read like crab cannons from right to left and from left to right, but there is an actual inversion. If I invert that shape, that is the solution. So we hear a sort of quasi-Mobius strip. And in fact, this is the same for canons three, 
four, five, 10, 13. It's the case with a lot of them. But here's the real detailed part, the part that only those of us who are really comparing it to a Mobius strip notice, is that if I were to invert this major scale, again, as we saw earlier in this episode, it's not going to invert onto a major scale. It's going to invert onto a minor scale. So I'm going to type this into the computer here and press invert and see what happens. Okay, I'm going to invert that. Aha, now that does not sound like our solution. If I were to press that literal inversion button, I'm going to do the same with canon number four now, play the line that Bach gave us and hit a literal chromatic inversion. Okay, let me just invert that. So as you could see, if we are going to properly invert that shape, that major shape, it's going to come back a minor shape, and therefore we're not going to accept this solution. That's not what Bach was after. Obviously he was after a solution that the ear guides. much more pleasant. But can we really call that a Mobius strip? We're not going to accept our mathematical, let's say, capital A coming back as lowercase negative A in the Mobius strip. So why should we accept a major tonality returning as a major tonality in our Mobius strip? Therefore, we have to limit the number of canons that fit this Mobius property to those that are chromatic. And those are 6, 8, and 11. And I'm going to show you why. I'm going to type the strip of number six into the computer now. That's the shape. Now I'm going to invert it. That, in fact, is the actual solution that Bach wants us to get, the solution that the computer gave us by pressing the inversion button, a chromatic, true chromatic inversion. That is a technical Mobius strip where the actual mathematical properties of the Mobius strip gave us the very solutions that Bach wanted us to find. It happens again in Canon 8. I'm going to type in the question to Canon 8 and then I will give you the answer. Now here is the technical inversion of that shape. We'll see it at work together in Canon 8 as Bach wanted us to solve this canon. The great thing, the cool thing about this is that I can take that very cell of music and just hit invert again and it will give you the same thing because it is a Mobius strip.
you'll notice that if I put, say, for example, Canon 5 into the same rigorous process of inversion, it won't be the same. Here is Canon 5. And if I invert that, you get this. You see, it's not quite the same. Now, with Canon 11, which is again a technical Mobius strip, there are two individual lines. I'm going to save the real dissection of that one when I cover finally the rest of these Canons in BWV 1087. But you could see that all I needed to do in order to yield that shape that has but one side was to type in the initial single phrase. And that yielded this very symmetrical, interesting thing that is, in fact, technically a Mobius strip. These canons 6 and 8, and then, of course, as I said, 11, are the technical Mobius strips of Bach. Now, I need to write extensively about this, talk about the sort of the details. There's an axis of inversion, of course, that we're dealing with. But this is just to whet your appetite for such a nuanced and possibly completely meaningless discovery. Nevertheless, I believe it is mine, so I'm going to keep this episode slightly shorter than usual. Tell me how you found this episode. Tell me if this was incomprehensible. Tell me if this you loved it. Tell me if you hated it. Tell me something. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Can't even know how thankful we are for you to listen to our podcast. You can become a patron of WTF Bach by donating on PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. Who else but WTF? Thank you.